This is Pod TST. I am the host, Kenneth Arthur, and today I am talking to RJ Ochoa of bloggingtheboys.com, the SB Nation Cowboys blog. Uh, the reason for this, well, pretty simple. Los Angeles Rams, they're an NFL team. Dallas Cowboys, they're an NFL team. Often, every week even, for 17 weeks, NFL teams get together and play against each other. And this week, uh, one of those matchups will be the Rams and the Cowboys. It was a matchup we didn't see too long ago, week 15 of the 2019 season. The Rams, you know, sort of a must-win game for them, playoff hopes and all this kind of stuff. And the Cowboys... Uh, quickly and uh, erratically, uh, you know, emphatically eradicated those hopes um, with a convincing win. Although Dallas also eventually had, uh, you know, their hopes dashed for the 2019 season, finishing eight and eight, firing Jason Garrett, hiring Mike McCarthy, who took a year off after being fired by by the Green Bay Packers, and uh, you know, several other changes for Dallas and uh, for the Rams. Um, so in, in some ways, these teams are going to be a lot alike. The stars, you know, these teams each have a lot of stars, um, but a lot of the players around those stars are going to be different this time around. And, and uh, RJ will help us get to know those changes with the Cowboys and perhaps what he thinks about the changes with the Rams. Uh, RJ, uh, we've spoken several times. Always good. Thanks for coming on to the show. Um, first of all, uh, I just want to very – broad stroke response uh how do you feel about the cowboys right now how do you feel about the cowboys in two respects how do you feel about the cowboys as compared to entering last season and how do you feel about the cowboys as compared to exiting last season well first of all first of all kenny uh last time you and i spoke uh was really fun uh we did something that i'd never done before some something that i never thought i would get to do uh we talked about the survivor season finale the uh winners at was it winners at war so the winners at war yeah yeah <laughs> um, and so it was with tug coker and scott porter that was really fun yeah i'm missing survivor um and so we haven't talked but i'll just are you a big brother guy because if so we can take this conversation offline right <laughs> is uh you know the funny thing is i am a big brother guy um survivor i was probably at a point more of a big brother guy and now it's not even close i'm a survivor guy but 100 percent agreed big brother yeah, no. big brother seasons sneak up on me is there a new one there is uh and like typically the big brother season for me, like once you get to, like I, I have certain in normal times, like landmarks and checkpoints that signal football season is here. One of them is like, it's it's jury time. Like all the evicted people on Big Brother are going to the jury. Um, the other is that like the Little League World Series is happening. So like when those things are <laughs> happening, uh, football's close. Um, yeah. to, to answer your question, I am, I, I really am hesitant to say this, but I have not been this excited for a Dallas Cowboys season maybe since 2008-ish. And wow. um, in 2008, the Cowboys were uh, coming off their 13-3 and season, uh, the first full season of Tony Romo after they lost to the Giants who would go on to win the Super Bowl. And there was a lot of hype, mm. and they would go 8-8 eight and eight, uh, and lost to the Eagles in, in a Week 17 winning in game. There have been other points where I think a lot of people were excited. I think a lot of people were very excited in 20, 
2016 after Tony Romo had been hurt the entire year and they drafted Zeke. And so there was all this like, oh man, we're going to get to see Romo and Zeke. It's going to be great and Dez and whatever. And then Tony Romo gets hurt. And so obviously that was a fun year. The Cowboys won 13 games again, but very different um, kind of snuck up on you. But I, I say this with respect to Jason Garrett, um, but it, it's so exciting not to have him around. Mike McCarthy, you know, one of the things we do at Blog on the Boys, we recap every press conference that he has. And so we transcribe a lot of things and just kind of, you know, put together different things he has to say. And he's such a different person than Jason Garrett. And in some ways, he is just a person, which is uh, a whole change of pace. And um, I know it sounds so ridiculous to give the Cowboys props for drafting CD Lamb, right? Like, wow, you know, good job. You drafted the best wide receiver in the class. It was, you know, really went out on a limb there. Um, but, you know, the Cowboys have had their first round picks telegraphed forever. Everybody knew they wanted Zeke. Everybody knew they wanted Byron Jones. Everybody knew they wanted Leighton Vanderich. Everybody knew they wanted Tristan Hill, even though he wasn't a first round pick. And so the Cowboys have been very predictable and very stale in that regard and very reluctant to change. And so the fact that CeeDee Lamb was not a plan that they had considered, they didn't think that he would be there at 17 overall, um, shows a willingness to adapt and a willingness to adjust and a willingness to think and operate on the fly, which is an element that has been completely absent of this team for so long. Um, I'm very high on Dak Prescott, if, if that's not obvious. And I think he's had a lot yeah. of successes um, in spite of Jason Garrett. I, I think that Jason Garrett deserves a lot of credit for things. I, people act like he, he existed only to weigh the Cowboys down. I don't think that's fair to him. Um, but I, I do think the Cowboys operated um, with – I don't want to. I don't want to say like kid gloves or training wheels, but um, kind of like. Have you ever had um, like a phone protector that has like a like a plastic screen in front of the phone, and you know like so so like it creates this like actual barrier that like sometimes when you click something it doesn't register on your phone mm -hmm. because of the screen you know protector being so thick. That was kind of what Jason Garrett was for the Cowboys, I think. Um, and so him being gone, CD Lamb being in, Kellen Moore staying. Um, and you never root for injuries, but the fact that the Eagles are already a little bit down on their luck, the fact that the Rams are not this perennial powerhouse, the fact that I think a lot of people are really low on, on the reigning NFC champion 49ers, I think does set up well for a year that the Cowboys could have, which it's so strange. And I guess it's my last thought. It's, it's so hard to set what would be a successful season because this does feel like a team that could challenge to win the Super Bowl. But, I mean, like, you know, if they go to the NFC Championship game or even the divisional round, if you do that in, in the first year of a head coach, you know, that's a pretty successful year. Um, and yeah. so it, it's, a, it's a really weird level of excitement and a very, very foreign one. Uh, but, but, you know, there's always a level of excitement when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys. I, I, just because I don't really – I wouldn't remember anything from 2008 or 2009, really, but uh, – <laughs> Jewel, what, uh, just because I was, I brought it up on my uh, page here and just looking at it, it's really phenomenal that Wade Phillips went 13 and three, nine and seven, and 11 and five uh, in those first three seasons that he was with the Cowboys. That his 2007 season, as you said, the first season of Tony Romo, had a better point differential than any season since, uh, any season under Jason Garrett. And even the season before he was fired, 111, that's basically as good as any season Jason Garrett ever had. And Wade Phillips is a guy that Rams fans are familiar with after three seasons as defensive coordinator. This is also a guy that's 
extraordinarily like, and when you talk about being a person, this guy's got personality coming out of every orifice in his body, you know, and he's still funny on Twitter. It doesn't matter how old he gets. What didn't work with Wade Phillips as a head coach? Um, you know, I think the, I think the average answer would be that he was too soft. Um, you know, Wade Phillips was the first coach the Cowboys had after Bill Parcells. And I think a lot of times, and, and you know this, you know, I think this is true in life. Um, like when you, when you break up with somebody, uh, if that person, you know, didn't like to go out, right? Like, if, you know, they just wanted to be homebodies or whatever. Uh, the next person you're like, well, let's, let's go out on Friday. You know what I mean? Like you, you just kind of, you switch to the opposite side of the spectrum. And I think that's what a lot of teams do when it comes to head coaches. Was Bill Parcells was this real authoritative person and, and really wanted things his way. And, and you know, the, the team reached this point where at that time in 2007, they were all kind of coming into themselves. They had some successes before, some mild stars. And I, I think, you know, the internet was really kind of blowing up around that time, um, at least in a social sense. That's kind of when like the peak of like MySpace and stuff. Um, and so I think they needed a, they needed more of like, um, you know, like a like a cool like you ever have like a chaperone that's like somebody's older brother, like, you know, like they needed that kind of coach that let them kind of do their own things and kind of let them relax. And I think that's why they had that honeymoon period early on. But yeah. he was too soft. And, and I think, you know, that was some people would say why Tony Romo went to Cabo um, in the wildcard round of that year. And, um, you know, that was why I think personalities like Terrell Owens didn't necessarily ultimately end up jiving. I, and I also think that there has been, um, and I'll, I'll use this word, but I don't mean it as, uh, you know, as deeply as it sounds, but I think there's been a level of like nepotism when, it, when it's come to the Cowboys. I mean, you, you know, if you rewind a year ago, and, and that, you know, goes beyond the head coach, beyond Wade Phillips or Jason, but Jason Garrett is kind of a product of that nepotism, if you think about it. I mean, hired before Wade Phillips ever was uh, back in 2007 himself. But, I mean, like last year, Jason Witten is allowed to just, you know, leave the Monday Night Football booth and be the team starting tight end. Like, that's kind of crazy when you when you really think yeah. of I mean, all no disrespect intended to the future Hall of Famer, but... If you're a Blake Jarwin, you've been busting your ass, you know what I mean, forever. And this dude just says, I want to play. And because of that, he is allowed to come in and, and take everything away from you. That's, that, would, that would bother me, I mean, if I'm being honest. And so I think that that culture really got or really has been rocked um, by the addition of Mike McCarthy. These things are really trivial. I realize that. And I'm fascinated by them. But yeah. as an example... Um, you know, I've wondered forever. The, the Cowboys quarterbacks have not worn red practice jerseys, like in training camp or practice throughout the week. They've, they've been white just like the rest of the offense. And Mike McCarthy shows up and he says, well, I've always had my quarterbacks wear red practice jerseys, so they're going to do that. That's a tradition that goes, I, I mean, if, you know, this isn't like University of Michigan football tradition, <laughs> but I mean, this, this is a big deal. Um, when the Cowboys held their annual scrimmage, and, and I think some of this is, is the climate of where we're at with nobody uh -huh. having any information, he took all names and numbers off of practice jerseys because they streamed that practice on DallasCowboys.com. And so his fingerprints are very much all over the team in ways that a lot of head coaches haven't been before him, Jason Garrett and Wade Phillips included. And so I think that I think the culture of the team is, is in a very different place, which is very interesting to say the least. Yeah, uh, because, man, I, I'm just blown away that there have been two coaches since Bill Parcells. I would have expected that to be a higher number, uh, but it's it's just Wade Phillips and Jason Garrett. Garrett was there for so long, uh, but a new era for Dallas, uh, and you're very high on them. I do want to, you know, just from an outsider's perspective, when I look at the Cowboys, 
I think I might have them picked to win the division. I, I can't quite recall. My, my feelings on the divisions were definitely this team's got the most um, all pros and pro bowlers on it, but will it come together and, and will their weaknesses be too weak? So if you don't mind, uh, if I could prod you a little bit, with potential weaknesses for Dallas, you could tell me whether that's a concern or maybe uh, maybe not as bad as I think. How's that sound? Sure, yeah, expose um, me. <laughs> uh, well, let me just ask you this. I, I've, I've been uh, monitoring the, the Las Vegas Raiders quite a bit this uh, offseason and been pretty surprised with how much I – like Malik Collins as a pickup for them and as a defensive tackle. So how did the Cowboys fill that role? Well, I am a fan of Malik Collins if he's playing for Rod Marinelli, which he is mm. in Las mm -hmm. Vegas. Um, I think if he had ended up somewhere else, I, I would not be as hopeful about his future. Uh, Malik Collins, I think, team captain for the Raiders, by the way. Yeah. Um, lots of former Cowboys are captains, which is a really interesting thing as well. But, um, I, you know, I, I think that I think the Cowboys, it should be mentioned, I mentioned Tristan Hill. Um, they drafted him in the second round last year, defensive tackle out of Central Florida, uh, part of the famed uh, self-proclaimed national champions. Uh, and yeah, so they've had a plan at defensive tackle. But part of it has been just as a whole, the Cowboys have refused to invest at defensive tackle forever. Mm -hmm. um, that, that's been a position that they've largely ignored along with safety. And it's, you know, kind of crazy that they would do that. You look at, you know, this week's opponent, for example, the Los Angeles Rams have the best one in the NFL and the second best in the NFL plays in their division in Fletcher Cox. And so they get to see, you know, how beneficial somebody like that can be every week. Mm -hmm. And so I think the Cowboys, you know, they often decide a year ahead that they just don't want, you know, to deal with the money that's going to be associated with that player. And I think that's what happened with Malik Collins. They had Tristan Hill in and then obviously new coaching staff. They signed Gerald McCoy, who's obviously no longer part of the team. They signed Don Terry Poe. They drafted Neville Gallimore. Malik Collins was a third-round pick himself. They took Neville in the third round this year. So I think that they just, you know, they're just stingy, and they just uh, didn't plan on, on paying him. But I do think they upgraded uh, specifically in Don Terry Poe. Uh, mm -hmm. But overall, I mean, they, it's, it's kind of hard to tell who their defensive tackles are going to be because there's been all sorts of talk of Alden Smith playing inside, Everson Griffin playing inside, even DeMarcus Lawrence playing inside. Um, so I think in terms of true defensive tackles, they just, you know, they didn't have a need for him, and sometimes that happens. Um, you talked about safeties. So moving to the secondary, obviously this is going to be a place, an area highlighted by everybody when they're, they're talking about the strengths and weaknesses of the Cowboys. It, seems, it really stands out in large part because you see stars at linebacker, stars at defensive line, stars on the offensive line, stars at receiver, running back, quarterback. So the Dallas does have stars at a lot of positions, but cornerbacks, you're talking about a second round rookie, which even if I took second round player cornerbacks and overall in the last decade, I don't think I would come away with a ton of stars coming out of the second round. And on top of that, Zay, uh, Trev, Trayvon Diggs is a rookie. So it's like he's immediately being put into that position to cover guys like Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. Uh, Anthony Brown, who, you know, has I've seen positive training camp reports about Anthony Brown, but we haven't seen it on the field as a cornerback. Jordan Lewis, Chidobe Awuzie, who I believe is, uh, has been injured, uh, set back a little bit here. Um, but in either case, they weren't super high on either of those guys necessarily starting again. Um, so cornerbacks specifically, uh, let's just start with the cornerbacks. How do you feel about that group? 
Um, nervous. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, that's the weakest point of the team overall, uh, without question. To your point, Trayvon Diggs is, is in the mix. Um, and with no disrespect intended to him, if, if that's the case of you as a rookie, that is, I think, that, that says more about the group as a whole yeah. than it does your own individual game. Um, for anyone that's unaware, he is the younger brother of Buffalo Bills wide receiver Stephon Diggs. But um, to, I think you're right, Kenny. I, I mean, you know, second-round corners don't always pan out. Chidabe Uze was a second-round corner for the Cowboys, and, and that just kind of shows how, how hit or miss that can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a little bit banged up. I think he'll definitely play. Jordan Lewis is the Cowboys sort of, uh, slot corner of choice he has yet to practice at, at least at the time of, of our recording here mm. um, so it's it's quite possible that he won't play on Sunday uh, he was a candidate in fact uh, now with the IR rules being different to be placed on injured reserve and come back after three weeks but I think the Cowboys think it might be more of a two-week thing so they didn't want to lose huh. him for that added third week um, but yeah I mean overall uh, the Cowboys unofficial depth chart uh, listed Anthony Brown and Trayvon Diggs as their starters, uh, which is interesting. And, and Trayvon has really played very well. Obviously, he's high pedigree in terms of NFL lineage, and yeah. he went to the University of Alabama. Uh, he's only, though, uh, an interesting note, been playing corner for like two years. He was a receiver initially at Alabama, just like his brother. Uh, but yeah, and, and I think to combat their lack of talent, so to speak, you know, the Cowboys are going to be more aggressive this year. Uh, their secondary coach for a while was Chris Richard, who had all that success in Seattle with the Legion of Boom and whatnot. And his technique uh, sort of revolved around being conservative and keeping everything in front of you. And I think that can work if you have an Earl Thomas and a Cam Chancellor and a Richard Sherman and everything. Uh, but if you have Chidibe Awuze and Anthony Brown, it obviously is not the same thing. Um, I, I should mention the Cowboys do have Daryl Worley, who uh, played for the Raiders last year, and mm-hmm. it's interesting a bit. They have they brought Brandon Carr back. I mean, it's 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 going to require being a, a bit aggressive and, and getting lucky. I think at least as far as generating turnovers is concerned. You know, we haven't talked about, uh, or at least I haven't asked about much about uh, Mike Nolan, who. Um, for those who just want a refresher was, you know, his most, his first big job was the Giants defensive coordinator, 93 to 96. Then he went to Washington, 97 to 99, the Jets in 2000, uh, the Ravens, uh, defensive coordinator, 2002 to 2004. So obviously, uh, they didn't win a Super Bowl during that time or really have as much success as they wanted, but. You know, he's coaching Ray Lewis and all these guys. And then the, probably one of the most notable personalities to be a head coach of the 2000s just because of the way he chose to dress uh, as the 49ers head coach. The Reebok suit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then that was not successful. He, he was the first coach when they drafted Alex Smith. Just crazy to think about time. You know, Alex Smith is now – He's basically just fighting for a job in the NFL, a big, big story, and, and, and right. still in the NFL. And people are like, oh, maybe there's a future with Alex Smith. Just crazy to think about a future with Alex Smith and talking about how uh, he's been in the league for 15 years. Um, but then it didn't go well. Broncos defensive coordinator, uh, Dolphins defensive coordinator, Falcons defensive coordinator was his final job. He's been an assistant coach ever since. Why did Mike McCarthy choose Mike Nolan to be his defensive coordinator after a six-year absence uh, in that position? Well, uh, you mentioned the staff that drafted Alex Smith. Mike McCarthy worked for Mike Nolan then. Uh, Mike McCarthy was his offensive coordinator back then. 
Um, and the Cowboys actually have another former 49ers head coach on their roster in Jim Tomsula. Um, they actually, I believe, um, they have the most head coaching experience of any staff since the 1999 St. Louis Rams, oh, wow. uh, to make this Rams specific, because uh, Mike Nolan's a former head coach, obviously Mike McCarthy, Jim Tomsula, as mentioned. They have Joe Philbin, who was Mike McCarthy's offensive coordinator in Green Bay, then the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, and John Fossil, their special teams coach, obviously formerly of the Rams, mm -hmm. was uh, the interim coach there when Jeff Fisher was fired. But I, the familiarity there, and I think that that's, I think Mike McCarthy very clearly, as evidenced by that point, wanted to surround this group with leadership and, and people he knows and, and voices he knows. I mean, Mike Nolan, somebody he has a deep history with, Joe Philbin as well. That, that's why the, the, you know, John Fossil and Jim Tomsula hires were so interesting because they were kind of out of nowhere. Uh, and it was interesting that he was able to pry um, John Fossil away from Sean McVay. But I, I mean, I think he just, you know, Mike McCarthy is, um, kind of your cliche Midwest guy that, you know, knows his football and believes in his football the way, you know, like, you know, like somebody that's like, Cheers is the greatest show of all time. You know, you know nobody will ever convince me otherwise. Like, that's uh -huh. kind of how Mike McCarthy rolls. Um, and I think he just believes in, in where he's learned. And Mike Nolan is a big part of that for him. And so uh, if you can have him around, I think it's helpful. He does also, you mentioned, you know, where Mike Nolan has been recently. He's been working with linebackers, specifically with the New Orleans Saints. Um, I had Leighton Vanderesh's agent on my podcast back around the draft, and he talked about how, um, you know, Mike Nolan was enamored with Leighton Vanderesh when Leighton was entering the draft. And if you'll recall, the New Orleans Saints traded up in that draft, and everybody thought they were going to get Lamar Jackson. Uh, they ultimately landed Marcus Davenport, but he said that at the time he thought it was for Leighton Vanderish just because they loved him so much. So I think um, the Cowboys' strength of their defense is their linebacking core. So I think that certainly helps that Mike Nolan has some recent familiarity with that position. Yeah, can you? I mean, how much did you uh, consider how different things would be if uh, the Saints had drafted Vanderish instead of uh, Davenport? Um, I, you know, I don't know. I, I wonder. Um, was it Rashad Evans that went to the Titans a little bit after the Cowboys took uh -huh. Clayton? I believe it was. I, I think the Cowboys would have gone there. Um, and so from a depth chart perspective, I don't know how different they are, you know, between then and now. But uh, Layton was such a big reason why throughout his rookie year, the Cowboys stormed back and won the NFC East. And that kind of kept Jason Garrett around another year. So I wonder if, yeah. if Evans has a similar impact. That That's a funny... Uh, a funny butterfly effect moment, no doubt. <laughs> um, offensively, I don't think there's anything that stands out as a negative more um, than Joe Looney and Cam Irving, and it's just not really uh, – it's kind of – they're in a tough position because it's not often that you go – that anybody is asked to, you know, play on an offensive line that had three Hall of Famers on it, maybe – uh, and to replace one of those Hall of Famers. And then with Collins, Lyle Collins, um, a guy who's emerging as maybe uh, the next Ryan Ramjic or uh, Mitchell Schwartz, you know, just a, a steady all-pro potential right tackle, and he's going to miss this game. And Cam Irving comes in having won a Super Bowl last year, which is a thing that uh, Super Bowl winners get to do sometimes, even if they didn't help that much. Uh, but Irving, potentially the starting right tackle. I know that in the NFC West, you know, a guy like Russell Wilson uh, can't, can't beat the Rams very often 
in large part because he can't get Aaron Donald off of him. How worried are you for Joe Looney versus Aaron Donald and the uh, situation at right tackle? Very worried. Um, if, if anyone is unaware, it was Joe Looney, for what it's worth, that filled in for Travis Frederick two years ago uh, when Travis Frederick missed the entire year battling Ian Barry syndrome. Um, and so he has experience at the very least starting at center uh, specifically for the Cowboys. And so I'm honestly less worried about that, that position uh, than I am right tackle. Uh, Lyle Collins was involved in a car accident uh, a few weeks ago, and, and there's some thought that maybe that has something to do with uh, his absence has been very mysterious. It took him a long time to get to mm. practice and throughout training camp. But the Cowboys have been very nonchalant about what he's dealing with. And so when he, you know, opened up on injured reserve, it was, it was both surprising and not surprising. Um, that, that's, you know, I, I mean, at the very end of the day, uh, the Cowboys seem to be operating differently and operating um, logically and efficiently. And so even if uh, Cam Irving is, is not up to the task, I do trust that Kellen Moore will adjust to that, which is something, you know, as mentioned, the previous coaching staff refused to do. That's, uh, I think everybody remembers what happened to the Cowboys in Atlanta, um, the Chaz Green game when Adrian Claiborne had six sacks uh, off of him specifically. The Cowboys just left Chaz Green on an island because they mm. believed you you have to beat your man. They, I mean, they believed in those kind of like football 101s. Um, and so I, I think, you know, the Cowboys have some tight ends that can block really well. Uh, they have some tight ends that can't block really well. Um, but but that is um, that is uh, definitely going to be the biggest challenge, I think, on offense. Do you think that uh, just because of the way that you're talking about this mystery and stuff, do you think that Lyle Collins' career, which is, what, four years now, three, four years that he's been in the league, uh, do you think his career has kind of continued to mirror the draft day situation with him where it's just like there's always just something weird going on in this guy's life? Um, no, I mean, he, you know, the Cowboys have been extremely loyal to him. You mentioned it, um, in 2015, Lyle Collins was thought to be one of the top tackles, uh, in the class would have gone, I think, squarely in the top 10. He was, he had his name connected to a tragic accident, uh, in Louisiana. He went to LSU. He was cleared, uh, and absolved of any involvement by any means, uh, but, you know, I mean, you know, the way the draft is because it happened right at the draft time. Nobody touched him. And his agent insisted that if he went anywhere in, you know, outside of the top three rounds that he would, you know, forego the season and re-enter the draft in 2016. And so he went undrafted. He chose to sign with the Cowboys. They sold him on it. Um, I remember that night well. Um, they took him out to dinner and, you know, to Jerry's house and all the team was there. And it was really awesome. Um, and, you know, he originally played left guard for the Cowboys, but, you know, switched on over to right tackle. And so I guess that was an interesting moment. He's gotten two long-term deals with the team since then. Um, this is his sixth NFL year. I, you know, the Cowboys extended him last year for the second time. And a lot of people were really confused because a lot of people saw the Cowboys drafting Connor McGovern last year as maybe a way to ultimately, you know, ease in, uh, you know, his future absence because they thought they might let him leave in free agency. But he he was without question the best offensive lineman on the Cowboys last year. Mm. Um, so, you know, it, it's disappointing that he would miss the start of the season, but I think he's well worth his contract. It's just, it's been a unique career to say the least. You like that? You like the, the strategy that uh, the Jones continue to employ, which is, you know, they have so many talented offensive linemen, but you mentioned uh, Connor McGovern, third round pick. 
uh, Tyler Bida. I don't know how to, how do you do it? Biotish. Biotish. <laughs> Fourth round pick, Connor Williams, second round pick. This is all when they, they have the best or one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. Uh, do you like this, that they consistently do that? Because when you mention stuff like this or when you mention even C.D. Lamb, who can be fantastic, but at the same time, the Cowboys tout the fact that they believe they have two of the best receivers in the NFL already. Any thoughts to filling other holes or you like this strategy? Um, I, like, I like drafting the best player available as a whole, like as a principle, as an overall philosophy and disposition. And I think that that's what this Cowboys draft class really looks like. This, this class was really just who's the best guy on the board every time we pick. And um, I think in an ideal world that marries with your biggest need at the moment, um, I'd say the most criticized pick they've had in recent memory that, that was kind of of the same variety was when they drafted Zach Martin, because to your point in 2014, it was, you just took Travis Frederick a year ago. You just took Tyron Smith three years ago. What do you really need another offensive lineman for him? If there's anybody on the team that is a future Hall of Famer at the moment, no disrespect to Tyron Smith, it is Zach Mart. He's never not been an all-pro, never not been a pro bowler. He's, he's marvelous. And so um, I, I think that I, I think that that's, that's where the Cowboys have gotten themselves into trouble is where they have said, this is our box. We need to find players that fit in our box and fit in our plans. And, and this is the plan that's going to work. And I think that that, you know, just generally is, is, is nice, right? But, like, your plan gets, you know, you run into Sean McVay, you know, and his plan might be better than your plan. And so all of a sudden in, in your, like, best-case scenario, your plan is no longer good enough. And so what Mike McCarthy has said, I mean, ever since becoming the Cowboys head coach, is they're just going to take the best players and work to their strengths. And I think that that's what a lot of great coaches do. I hate when anybody says this because it's so general, but I, I think that's what Bill Belichick does. I think that's what Sean McVay has done for a while. And I think that that's why Sean McVay, um, I certainly don't know as well as most, but uh, maybe moved on from Todd Gurley, said, you know what, he's not one of the best players anymore. I can't justify this, things like that. And so I think the Cowboys have just realized, let's get the best players that we can and we'll figure it out. It's kind of like, uh, like some of the best meals I've ever had were just like meat and potatoes. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. it's not like a balanced meal, you know, like I'm missing a green and, you know, whatever. But like, it was an amazing meal because I worked with the best things that I had. Uh, speaking of meals, let's uh, get to the dessert. I'll just um, ask you one more question and, and wrap it up here. RJ, uh, just give me a couple of players on each team, just two players on each team. Um, you know, we've been out with, we've been without football for, uh, eight or nine months we haven't had any preseason games we haven't seen much from training camp this is the most mysterious season we've ever entered in our lifetimes we don't know a lot uh and we typically don't know very much anyway so we don't know even less but it's been a long off season lots of changes for the cowboys and the rams um and maybe from your outsider's perspective from the Rams, it'll be interesting as well you can choose someone who you just like to watch play you can choose aaron donald and dak prescott you can choose two guys who have never played in the nfl give me the names of two guys on both teams who you're just so excited to finally see play this year i will take dak prescott and the cowboys and i know that's easy i know it's a layup but it has been a long offseason, and there's been so much discussion about Dak, obviously not getting the long-term deal. Now, I mean, you're looking at, you know, the best deep ball thrower in the NFL last year, leader of one of the most efficient offenses in the NFL last year, returns his offensive coordinator, has a head coach that, that is kind of taking that, that phone protector off we talked about, and adding C.D. Lamb. 
logically it makes sense that Dak Prescott would be an even better player than he was, which was already very good. And so I'm very excited to see that hopefully come to fruition. Um, on the other side of the ball, I'm very excited to see Aaron Donald. Don't get me wrong, but I'm excited to see Jalen Ramsey. Um, you know, I know the Rams sort of fell off last year, uh, but I'm excited to see Ramsey. I, I, for the same reason I was excited to see Amari Cooper last year. I, I'm always excited when a high-profile player that is traded mid-season, not that this happens a lot, um, gets his first full offseason, you know, gets everything under him. Uh, I mean, like, I moved this offseason. Like, I can't imagine, like, moving and then, you know, playing in the NFL, like, in parallel with that. That would be terrible. And so, you know, I'm sure, like, Ramsey's had a chance to unbox his stuff. I know he, he bought a house or whatever on Hard Knocks. Uh, but I'm very excited to see what he will do as a full-time player for the Rams now, as opposed to having to deal with what he dealt with last year. I think that I think that we could all be talking about Ramsey the way we were kind of earlier on in his career, because I think that people forgot about him. I think people have, like, the Bills have been such a cute story that Tredavious White gets all this love. Um, I think people just kind of forgot that Jalen Ramsey existed, and I think that that's a bad, uh, bad thing to do. Yeah, you know, for me, I think I'll, I'll – I'll pick on the Cowboys side, um, Alden Smith. We didn't talk about Alden Smith. You mentioned that they're, they're trying him in different spots perhaps, um, but Alden Smith has not played in the NFL in five years, uh, and he apparently has looked pretty good in training camp enough to make the roster and potentially here be a part of the rotation. Uh, would you say you expect to see an, a lot of Alden Smith or not much or what? I think they'll ease him in. Um... And I think the Cowboys have a lot of options um, at defensive end. And, and I mean, just across the defensive line as a whole. And I think the fact that nobody's played any football, I think they'll ease everybody. And I think they'll be very cautious and very careful. But I think that I think that you'll see more of Alden Smith than you thought you were going to see when you first saw, like when you first got the like alert on your phone back in January, that was the Cowboys assigned Alden Smith. You will see more of him than you thought you would in that moment. And uh, for the Rams, I'll go with Andrew Whitworth. You know, he's almost 40 mm. years old, uh, maybe a Hall of Fame left tackle. Um, but will he bounce back? Will he have more in the tank going into this season? Uh, or was last season a showing of decline? So we'll see how he does against um, Demarcus Lawrence and maybe uh, Everson Griffin, uh, who we didn't discuss much either, but uh, another – Notable name there on Dallas. Um, RJ Ochoa, thanks again for talking to me about uh, this game. Um, is there uh, any, anything – why don't you – can you plug something that you have, like an NFL thing, maybe a podcast, a website, a person uh, on Twitter? Would you plug one person who may be like, oh, you know what, I really like this person right now? Oh, I like that question. That's a good question. Um, uh, I'll keep it in our SB Nation family, um, and I, I think you're aware, Kenneth, uh, I started a new show this week on the SB Nation NFL show, Monday Football Monday, uh, so a shameless self-plug, if you subscribe yeah. to the SB Nation NFL show, you'll get NFL-wide coverage all throughout the week, but every Monday, myself, Pete Sweeney from Arrowhead Pride, and Michael Kiss from Bleeding Green Nation will talk about the biggest things that happened on the Sunday before. Um, I've worked with Pete a lot. Uh, we were on Radio Row together and in Miami for the Super Bowl. I admire his work ethic a lot. Um, Pete is uh, our manager and editor-in-chief over at Arrowhead Pride. And, um, you know, everybody follows the Chiefs, obviously, because they're one of the best teams, if not the best in the NFL. So I think uh, if, if you want someone, you know, to give you some, some weird takes about things, I wanted to name that show, for example, Chicken or Beef. Uh, and Pete went with Monday Football Monday. So uh, that's what we did. But um, he's a good guy. Pete Sweeney's good people. 
Yeah, yeah. Good guy. Good names either way that you had gone. But uh, yeah, thank you, RJ, for coming on to Pod TST. And, uh, you know, have a have a healthy season. You too, my man. Talk soon. There, Kenny. Bye. Thanks, man.